if he's waiting for marriage, he can still go down on you. Like, that doesn't take that out of the equation. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Spice Rack Podcast. I'm Savannah. And I'm Emily. And we have the most fun back to school story this week. And I did manifest this when I was telling Emily to start fucking her students last week. So this week we're covering Reckless Love by Nicole Green. But before we get into it, Emily, how are you? I'm good. I discovered a new ick yesterday. Motivational sayings on t-shirts when guys wear them. Like I saw a guy wearing this shirt and it said built different. And I was like, no, no, (laughs) no, not a built different shirt. Jesus. Yeah. So other than that, I'm good. We had a game night with my friends on Saturday and we're playing Uno and you could just feel the tension radiating through the room. Like nobody was speaking. You can just hear the sound of the cards like being put down. But other than that. Nothing really. It's been raining a lot. So how are you doing, Sav? This morning, both my vibrator and my vibrating toothbrush died. Not in the same go. Right? <laughs> but I, I just, I don't know. That's how my day is starting off. I don't think it's a good start to the week. And then I also scheduled my first Brazilian wax, which I am terrified. I've never been waxed, but I'm just thinking like I'm over it. And I want to start waxing and I'm already thinking of what I'm going to, what like outrageous shit I'm going to text Seth after, like what kind of sex can I send him after? So that's where I'm at. I was also thinking about a Brazilian. That's the thing. I like cry when I get my upper lip waxed. I'm like, okay, but if it's only like two seconds of pain, then I should be bearable. Like I should be able to like survive. The appointment is only for 20 minutes. So in my mind, I'm like, I can do anything for 20 minutes. So I feel like it should be okay. But I am very nervous because I am the biggest baby when it comes to anything painful. I'm the same way, but you got it. You got to give us an update. Yeah, I'm getting it on Thursday. So time will tell. If you have had positive experiences getting waxed, let me know. If you have not had positive experiences getting waxed, I don't need to know that. So just like keep your lips shut because I don't care. If you've had a horror experience, it will just deter me. So don't tell me. So during this rainy week, I've been, we've been reading a lot. Like I think, yeah, we've been reading a lot. So I had been on a roll and I just don't want it to end. So I finished The Blind Side by Candy Snyder, which is fake dating college. And it was just so good. And I was so afraid to start reading it because of a love letter to whiskey. But it is not that emotionally like sad. So really good. And then I read Broken Boys Can't Love by Michaela Smeltzer, which was an easy five-star read. It's a part of the boys series, but I don't think you have to read the other ones before you read it. It is best friend's sister moves in with them and it was steamy and fun. But this book and Blindside both had like the virgin trope, but it wasn't so like heavily sprinkled. And so it was pretty good. And then I finished Reckless Love. It was very hot. <laughs> Potentially, you know, that I would like that in the future. And then I finished Fake Empire by C.W. Farnsworth. I saw it all over TikTok. 
I took my time reading this book because I did not want it to end. Mm. So it was a different take on the arranged marriage trope. So they knew since they were 16 that they were going to get married to each other because they're both like the wealthiest like families in the United States. So they've known for forever that they're going to get married to each other. And so they both have tried to keep their distance. And so it's just hard to explain. It was just really good. And now I'm going a little rom-com kick and I'm reading You Deserve Each Other by Sarah Hogel. I'm adding fake empire on my Kindle as we speak. Okay. I think that you would really like it. It's hot. It has plot. Okay. Let me talk about what I've been reading. First, last week on the podcast, last Monday when Emily and I recorded, I said I was going to the beach and I wanted to read the smuttiest shit I could get my hands on. And so I read The Four Leaf, which is a novella. (laughs) It delivered. I went back to back. I went on a double header at the beach. Then I read Reckless Love in the same sitting as I read The Four Leaf. Incredible. Cannot wait to talk about it. Definitely scratched the itch of what I was looking for. I just wanted some like very smutty, very good stuff. Then I read Did It Hurt, which has been all over TikTok. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it has that like cliff drawing on it. Yes, very Shark Week-esque. Yes, let me find who is by because I absolutely hated this, hated it. (laughs) So I need to give a full review because it's been so hyped up. This is what I think happens. It's by H.D. Carlton. I'm not going to fault H.D. Carlton because the writing wasn't bad. It was the story that I had a lot of issues with. This was like a more of like a thriller than it was a romance and so I think sometimes people that do not typically read smut start reading thrillers with smut in them and they like the spice so it gets really hyped up but it was not deserved does that make sense yeah no okay I have three main issues with this one there were plot holes out the fucking wazoo so many plot holes like the plot holes had plot holes The second thing is that they were genuinely hate fucking until probably 85% of the book. And that's just like a lot. Like they were like actively trying to kill each other, which is fine. However, we all know that I want to be loved and adored. (laughs) So that did not go well for me. And then this is the third thing. Since the year 2016, I have had a theory that great white sharks alligators and snakes are planning world domination what does this mean i think that they are evolving to take over the human race i realize that this is a little a little out there but you cannot change my mind i've had this theory now for six years and i strongly believe in it and the guy the main character was a shark researcher so there was a lot of shark conversation, which I do not fuck with. At one point, I cannot believe I kept reading, 20% of the way into the book, he is fucking her out on his boat while they have sharks around, okay? He bites her lip so she's bleeding, puts her head under the water so that the sharks will come near her. <laughs> I, like, was at the beach and I was like, Seth, I cannot get in the water. Like, I need a minute. I just cannot believe that that is something that really happened. So I've been quite scarred by it. If you are into sharks, maybe that's fun for you. If you think that they're plotting to take over the human race, I would not recommend this read. I 
cannot believe he bit her lip to attract the sharks. He had already put like the shark attractors in the water. They were like around them. I'm like, oh my no. god, no, horrifying. That's too stressful for me. Yeah, so I can't get behind that. And then yesterday, I finally read Verity by Colleen Hoover. It's been on my list for a year, probably at this point. And I got so nervous because it was so overhyped. Granted, I love everything that Colleen Hoover writes. I read that shit in one sitting. Three hours I read Verity. I thought it was so fun. I loved the thriller aspect of it. It's kind of what I wanted from Did It Hurt, which did not deliver. So then I went to Verity. Again, we are Colleen Hoover stands on this podcast. I thought it was great. I think that the letter is bullshit. I'm a full non-believer in the letter. Yeah, I think the manuscript was bullshit. I think she killed the kid. I think she is psychotic. This is my thing. If the manuscript was real, she would be running down those stairs being like, I'm better. Like, you know, like defending herself. But like, no, Mm -mm. I think she is a cold-blooded killer. Yes, I think that she was truly a psychopath and seems to be a trend on this podcast recently. So it fits right in. Who do you picture as Jeremy? Like, if you had a fan cast Jeremy, who do you fan cast him as? Mm, this is a good question. Let me do some research. Because I saw somebody post a fan cast yesterday. So it was the girl from you. Yes. I picture her. I saw this one. And Josh Jumel was the Jeremy guy. Yeah, but I didn't see Josh Jumel as Jeremy. No, I didn't. Either. And then I don't see Blake Lively Verity either. Oh, I do see Blake Lively as Verity. I see the girl from Gone Girl, that actress. Mm, yeah, that's, but that's I don't that. know for Jeremy. I could see like a young Paul Rudd as Jeremy, like Paul Rudd in his early 30s. Yeah, that's a good one. It's kind of who I picture. Yeah, that's a good one. But yes, Verity was interesting. I'm thankful that I read it. I was supposed to wait and read it with my sister-in-law, but I was like, hey, I finished this in one sitting. So sorry, can't read this with you. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Our author this week is Nicole Green, and she is so cool. She has reached out to us on social media, and we've been talking, so we feel like we made a genuine friend with her. But she is a contemporary romance author. Her obvious include baking, listening to true crime podcasts, and watching cheesy 80s movies. Books by Green include Cold and Broken, Dark Devotions, and Forever Devoted. Today, we will be discussing Reckless Love, which is a part of the Twisted Legacy series that follows the romance between Professor Locke and his student, Nora. And for the dedication day we have for the real life, Evan, thanks for letting me use your name. Do we think that she fucked a professor? I hope so. (laughs) I hope that this would be like her her retelling. Uh, I hope that her hip is okay from falling on the ice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And... I would hope so. I hope so too. Nicole, we're friends. Let us know. Thank you so much. Okay, getting into the plot review. Nora, who is our female main character in the story, has always felt like a wallflower compared to her twin sister. She's a little thicker and is a freaking genius, so she's always been the chubby smart girl. As a student on the fast track to an early MIT PhD, she ends up in Dr. Evan Locke's English seminars two semesters in a row. 
Evan, rightfully obsessed with her, has been enamored with Nora for an entire semester and just can't take it anymore when she crashes into his mailbox during a blizzard. These two have a secretive relationship to respect his teaching status, which he doesn't really give a fuck about anyways, until they're blackmailed by a mediocre white man who thinks he deserves Nora's MIT spot. When Nora crashes her car and ends up in a medically induced coma, Evan gets major flashbacks to his sister's similar death. Always wanting to be a writer, he goes back to his hometown after resigning from his teaching job, writes a novel, and becomes a better man for Nora. They end up in a happily ever after, her continuing to be a certified badass, and him a best-selling author. Tropes include a curvy heroine, PCOS representation, a teacher-student relationship, we start as enemies to lovers, hardcore, and then some, obviously, some forbidden romance, too. Like, the first line is, like, fucking Nora Volkoff. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is gonna be good. I was obsessed. I know. He was clenching his jaw on page two, and I was like, this is yeah. everything <laughs> I absolutely devoured this book, and Sav read it before me, and she was like, you're gonna lose your shit, and I rightfully lost my shit while reading it. Evan Locke has to be one of the hottest book characters, and the taboo-ness of their relationship just makes the book just, like, so much hotter. As someone who has, like, PCOS, it was freaking awesome seeing Nora, like, have her happy ending and, like, be with someone who absolutely cherishes her. And one thing I have to say, I love how, like, Nicole writes about, like, the hair on the face, like, the the acne scars, some things that people don't usually, like, they always, like, skip over those parts when those parts really can damage your, like, self-esteem. So I really like that part. Did I cry in the Sharpie scene? Absolutely. I think that scene will forever live rent-free in my head. I love how strong-headed Nora is and how she doesn't back off from a fight. And I like the little moments in this book that they would do stuff to piss like each other off. So like Nora would drive at night. Um, the guy that sat next to her in Dr. Locke's class would flirt with Nora and she would egg him on just to piss off Evan. I thought that was so funny. I was laughing at times, red face at times and crying at times. I think the only thing I would change was I wish it was a little bit longer, but when she crashed her car into the mailbox and knocked on the door and it was Dr. Locke, I screamed. I was like, oh, it's getting good. I know. I was like, oh, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for this. First of all, Evan Locke is a dream man. I also have to say, Emily and I, as thicker ladies, have been trying to read a curvy heroine book for years like we have tried so many and they're all so uncomfortable of like this woman hating her body even though it looks like ours and we just haven't seen anyone do it well nicole green knocks it out of the fucking park because nora is still desirable she recognizes that her body looks different than her sisters but she doesn't beat herself up over it and she just is like this is who i am i'm a fucking genius i'm really cool I have great friends and great relationships. And so this is just a part of me. And I just have to say, crushed it. I loved that. So as much as I loved Evan, I really loved Nora. And I related to her a little bit. I have a feeling that Emily related to her a lot, just with like some of the academic stuff. But Dr. Evan Locke, this man, he is so perfect. I love the fact that he didn't give a flying fuck about teaching anyways. Like I can imagine being in his class. The Sharpie scene ripped my literal heart out. And I'm going to read an excerpt from it in a second. And him caring for her when she's down and out from PCOS, obsessed. 
And then when he finds out that she's been in a car accident and he like drops his shit and bolts to the hospital, I just love him so much. I think that he is a man. He is a dream. I'm obsessed. And the thing that he's a man, I forgot to say it too, was he resigned to defend Nora because Nora was being accused of plagiarism by the awful Charles. So it would have gotten her kicked out of school out of the MIT program. So he resigned to save her dream. A man. A freaking man. I'm obsessed. And the Sharpie scene, we need to talk about this because, first of all, if I ever had to do this in real life, I would literally die. Like, I think that this is one of those things that is so wholesome in a book. If anyone ever tries to do this shit to me in real life, I will kill them. So basically, he has Nora write in black Sharpie everything that she just likes about her body. She was like really struggling to understand why he's so attracted to her and keeps, she's like avoiding mirrors and he's just over it because he's so obsessed with her and thinks that she hung the literal moon. He has her stand in front of the mirror and in red Sharpie write down all of the parts of her body that she doesn't like. So she's like writing on her arms, her stomach, whatever. He then has her close her eyes and in black Sharpie, he writes over all of the words that she had written. And I'm going to read you what she says. Over all my horrible red words are kind words written in black. My eyes meet Evans in the mirror with my lips still parted, soft, strong, elegant, stunning, captivating, gorgeous, delightful. This isn't written over red, but rather circles three little freckles, mine, delicious, shapely, sublime. He then says to her, I know I can't force you to believe this about yourself. It's something you have to dig deep for up here. He taps my head, but I will be here on the days you struggle and remind you how worthy you are, how beautiful, how there's nothing I would ever want to change about you because to me, you are perfect. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? That has got to be the hottest, sweetest thing a book character has ever done. I don't think that could ever be topped, ever. No. I I was at a loss for words. And the thing is, he catches her throughout the book not wanting to look at mirrors. And so that he he was at his wit's end with it. And I like it that he didn't do it in any kind of demeaning way to make her feel, like, if that makes any sense. Like, it kind of, it really boosted her self-confidence. And she was saying how... When she went back to her apartment and, like, she would, like, stand there naked, she would see all the stuff that, like, he loves about her. And, like, it would just, she, like, started to feel, like, worth being, like, accepting of love, not just being good in the classroom. Yes. And I love in their third stage breakup, she even mentions, like, I am hurt by Evan, but I'm really thankful for this piece that he played in my life because now I view myself in a different way. And so he gave her so much confidence And he did it in a way that, like, was not shitty, was not shameful. It just made her feel absolutely adored. So, I mean, I, it doesn't get, I'm speechless. It doesn't get better than this. I love him. Yeah. It was just, Nicole, you did a really good job. And you get him being so sweet to her, but such an asshole to everybody else. And I loved that too. And so at one point she's meeting with the guy. Was his name Charles? Yeah. Charles mediocre white man and Charles or Charlie 
I don't know. It's, it's your CD. something the third or like the fourth. Yeah. <laughs> because he's so pretentious. But she's meeting with him in the library and he's being such a dick to her. And <laughs> Evan sees it, comes in and says, campus daycare is down the street if you're going to continue making a scene like a toddler. <laughs> I have that scene highlighted in my Kindle too. Like he hates everybody but three people. Like, yeah. that's just... <laughs> that's how he is he hates every he hates his students he just hates everybody but Nora his sister and his advisor like his mentor yes I and I love that about him it makes me like him more I think one of my favorites so he decided to go to the coffee shop get some work done and Nora is at the only empty table so he goes and steals the chair from Nora's table and like sits down and she's like, fuck, I'm trying to ignore him. But he's like not letting me because he's like, I have to have her. Like, I don't care. But she's like, I don't want to get him fired. Like she tries to go drop out of his class. And I think he almost had an aneurysm. He was like, oh, we're my dead fucking body. Are you going to drop my class? Yeah, he he ripped it up. He was like, absolutely not. Are you dropping this class? Amazing. He has five peppers on Rate My Professor. That's what Absolutely. I have to say about it. Dr. Absolutely. <laughs> Emily texted me after reading this and said, do you think that I'll have a pepper on Ray, my professor? And if, listen, if any of her students are listening to this, if you don't give her a fucking pepper, I will hunt you down and I will find you. Thank you. I was like, but see, this was going back to last week's conversation. I'd rather have this kind of relationship. I'd rather be the student than be the professor. So I like, don't know how to tell you this, but you are going to be a professor. So I know. So I rather just either be me as a student or me as a professor, but the guy has to only be a professor. I just think you really like miss the timeline to make this work. Like I understand what you want in your head, but if you really wanted this to happen in actuality, I don't think that the timing is going to make sense. I think so too. I think so too. So I'll just go for like another PhD student. Yeah, that could work. Or a student, you know, whatever. They're adults. I stand by what I said. <laughs> okay, let's get into the spice. Got plenty of it. I gave it three peppers. Sav, how many peppers did you give it? I also gave it three peppers. Obsessed. There is, I don't remember too many specific scenes. Because there is so much and it's all so good. I have two main scenes I'd like to discuss. Um, the first is the library scene that will probably forever live rent free in my head. So she's in the library setting and he knows that. So he goes to the library and he like pulls her over to the shelves and she's like, What are you doing? And she's like, Well, the librarian's like sleeping. And so he, like, they have like full on like sex in the library. And he's being, like, possessive, hot. Like, she just doesn't stand a chance. Like, she's, like, pinned to the the shelves. And then her sister's boyfriend comes to pick her up from the library. And her hair is all messed up. And Evan's hair is all messed up. And the um, the guy, Talon, is like, what's going on here? But I think that is by far one of the hottest scenes. And then when they're about uh, to have sex, and she's, like, covering her eyes. And she's like, this just, like, feels too intimate. He's like, eyes on me, watch me learn, and appreciate your body. Appreciate your body. Appreciate your body. Incredible. Done for. I will say, 
the first time that they hook up is incredible and she's at his house her clothes are wet she puts his clothes on he says I turn around the side of her in in my clothes has me ready to resign my position effective immediately I have so many listen I have been a little highlight Kendall queen because I so many if you look through my clippings on Kendall please do not it's just smut like that's literally all that it is but I have so many highlighted oh when they hook up the first time he is trying to make her come multiple times he says give me another one Nora I need to feel you come around me one more time she says I don't think I can he says you will you will because you want to drive me as crazy as I do you Mm. we do get a good girl Look at you. I circle it teasingly. Spread open for me like such a good girl. This is when they are fucking in his office, I'm pretty sure. And he says, Nora, if you don't stop looking at me like that, I'm going to bend you over this conference table and fuck you until you scream. Consequences be damned. Like, I'm going to keep, I can keep going. You have to talk about the class scene, the vibrator in class. I do have to talk about the vibrating in class scene. That had my jaw on the floor. He punishes her for something. I think she like didn't text him when she, it was something like very menial. She didn't text him when she got home or something like that. And so he says, come to my office before class. I have something to give you. And she shows up and he puts a panty vibrator in her and makes her sit in class. He is behind the podium controlling the vibe from his phone the entire time that she's in class. And at one point he says, is someone's phone ringing? Like, how dare you all have your phone on in my class? And it's the vibrator inside of her. And I, I cannot. That is like my dream come true. I think like that is a dream come to life. So she gets punished because she drove at night. That was the thing. Like she drove at night and the guy that was flirting with her was next to her in class. And he was like, is that your phone ringing? And she's trying to like control herself. And then after they go and fuck in his office and she says, I need you to fuck me, Dr. Locke, right on this desk. Give me that big cock. And he says, holy fuck, dirty talking Nora might be my new favorite version of Nora. And they have incredible office sex after he makes her wear a vibrator and it's only two days a week so you would have to assume that this is an hour and 15 minute class so for an hour and 15 minutes she has a vibrator inside of her just going I don't I just I was like I was at a loss so I'm still at a loss I'm like turning red (laughs) I just think that they were the perfect match for each other. I think if it was anybody else, like personality-wise, like these moments wouldn't be like as good as they were, but it really worked. Yeah. I think he needed somebody so smart to like get on his level and she needed someone who was mean to everyone in the world but her and put her on such this high pedestal. So I think that their personalities like worked out so perfectly and I love that they got a happily ever after because it would have been so cruel if they didn't after we fell in love with both of them yeah I was like reading it I was like how is this gonna end because <laughs> I'm, I'm at the point where I'm not gonna read a book if it doesn't have a happy ending 
you can give me an emotional roller coaster throughout, but if there is not a happy ending, um, I don't want to read it. Okay, so we are going to get into some discussion questions. So this is the first one is one that I've been thinking a lot about and I texted Sab about when I was reading. So Sab, do you think that Talon is too much for being Nora's sister's boyfriend? Mm, I think that, I don't know. I think it's hard because they're twins. I think that twins have like a very different dynamic and relationship. I mean, he's like kissing her on the forehead and stuff. But I do think that he like genuinely cares about her in like a sisterly relationship. I, it wouldn't be too much for me if I was Nora. No, if I was the sister, that's a different discussion. But I get that it could be too much for other people. I'm like 50-50. I can do without the forehead kisses. And this this is the thing. I, even if I had a sister and you're married to my sister, don't think brother-in-laws can get all cagey and stuff about like you having sex and relationships. Do you agree? Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I don't think it's, it was his place to be weird about it, but I think it came out of like a protective Nora is this like golden child. We must continue to like protect her and look out for her if he would have said like no you can't have sex I would have been like all right big dog you better back up but I think because it was like a forbidden relationship he was just trying to like keep her safe I think most sane people would say like no you can't really have you can't be fucking your professor like this (laughs) like I think that that would be a normal response so if it was a if it was a typical relationship that didn't have any forbidden elements and he still had this opinion that I think would be too much. And um, Talon and Nora's sister, their book is the first book of the series. If you want to know more about their story, and so um, I know I do know that he was bravada. So like there is that like I have to like protect everybody at all times. But sometimes I just wanted to like slam the door on Talon's face. If you had to pick, which would you choose? sleeping with your boss or sleeping with your professor I already know what you're gonna choose (laughs) to me it depends on age because I feel like at this point most like if I had a boss they'll be mid-30s to lower 40s and that's just a little bit too old for me I'm gonna go professor I don't know why I'm trying to (laughs) talk around it yeah I don't know why you would try to create (laughs) I don't know either we I don't know either. I just, and I don't know, and I don't know, I relate to Nora where so much of my life is intertwined into academics. Like I'm about to be in school for another five years. Like I live for being in the classroom. So I'm going with professor. What about you? Okay. I do this thing at work where I become really good friends with all my coworkers. So all my bosses, I have like really loved and respected. Whereas professors don't know as much about you. And so there's not that like personal connection. So I would probably go with professor. I've also mainly worked for women. That's not true. I've worked for a couple of dudes, but yeah, I just like become, I don't know, like I want to work somewhere where like I have fun with my coworkers and my boss is included in that. And so I just like 
I don't know. I can't picture any of them like that ever. So whereas a professor doesn't really know you, I would have totally fucked a professor in college and presented the opportunity. I think it's also more fun. Like, I don't know what it's like it's about. It's, I just think it's like a little bit more like fun. Yeah, I agree. I feel like boss could like potentially actually ruin your life. Professor is just like a little fun fling, nothing crazy. Yeah, I agree. So we see in these books and some of the other books that we read, some like non-normal taboo places that they're having sex. So what is the taboo slash non-normal place you would want to have sex? And this is would want to not have. Or if you have. I've fucked in a couple bathrooms, like at bars or at parties, several cars, several cars. (laughs) Why do we have sex in cars? Like, what is the appeal? I don't know. I've never never had it. So I don't know. You've never had sex in a car? Emily! No. Were you a virgin in high school? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, that's why. It's because we didn't have anywhere else to go. I am all, I always wanted Seth and I to have sex in the library when we were in college and we never did. And I'm still upset about it to this day. I feel like it's an opportunity missed. I'm not opposed to like doing it out in the open, like where people could potentially see. I think that's something that I could explore maybe in the next year of my life. But yeah, those are, I think those are my two solid answers. What about you? I am taking library or like a balcony. Like a high, like sky rise penthouse balcony, but that or library. I have indeed fucked on a balcony. I would recommend that. It was fun. Yeah, whenever I see it, like in book scenes and stuff, I'm like, hmm. One thing I forgot to mention. So Evan has like a good relationship with his priest, and I would have lost my shit. If the priest was Tyler Bell, I was holding my breath and I was like pressing to go to the next page. I was like, if Nicole made his priest be Tyler Bell, I'm going to lose my fucking shit. No, I I did like that. He had like this relationship with the priest. What's your theory? I have a theory that one of the cousins is going to end up with the priest. That would be a good one. I I don't know. I, I like that trope. We clearly <laughs> I was such like I was just like he's just casually eating pizza and the priest is off the telling him how he's like fucking a student. Like this is the just so casual. Really cool. So I'm just I'm thinking he's gonna come back and he's gonna end up fucking somebody. It's a good theory because why mention the priest as much as they did if they're not gonna include him in a book? Agreed. Completely agreed. All right, guys, we really hope that you guys enjoyed Reckless Love as much as we did. The whole professor-student taboo relationship was a great one for back to school. And next week, we are continuing back to school with Broken Boys Can't Love by Michaela Smeltzer. So I really enjoyed this book. I gave it five stars. So I hope that you guys enjoy it as well. And it is on Kindle Unlimited. We'll see everybody next week.